I thank you that tonight as you speak, Lord, that, um, that you just would reveal who you are to us at a greater level, God. That you would just like peel back the curtains and say, this is who I am. And I pray, God, that, that even though we know you, that you would just even take us to that inner room, that deeper level, like a greater realization in our own minds and hearts, God, of who you really are. That we would see how trustworthy you are, how good and faithful you are, God. That, that we can set everything aside and completely give it to you and trust you that you're going to be faithful to your word, God. So I thank you, Lord, and I just pray, God, that every word that comes from my mouth is what you want, Lord. Even if that means changing everything, I got to say thank you. And we just say, Lord, have your way tonight, God. Open our minds and hearts, Lord, to trusting you even more than we already do. In Jesus' name, amen. So that's what we're talking tonight about, that really scary five-letter word, trust. Because all of us, when you think of the word trust, you probably get a little bit like, oh, 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 I don't know how I feel about that. I have some people in my life that I trust. I have some people in my life that I don't trust. So it's going through our heads, right? You think of the word trust and you think, okay, I trust that person, but that person, ooh, I don't know about them. I don't know about them. When you get into a relationship, if you have a past relationship that's kind of been, been a little messed up, didn't exactly go the way you wanted it to, I, we tend to reflect that, that trust issue on the next person, right? We, a lot of times, will let one person who damages our trust, our trust meter, our trust flow, organ, whatever you want to call it, one person messes with it and we let it affect everything else. At least it happens to me. I don't know about you guys, you're kind of just looking at me, but it's true, it happens. You, something happens and I think, okay, because that relationship went badly, the rest of the relationships are going to be like that. Or this friend messed up, so the rest of my friends are going to mess up. So many times we project other people's flaws and our mistrust in other people onto the people that we should be trusting in. And more than that, we take our mistrust that happens in the world underneath a flawed people who we have, we are under flesh and make mistakes, and we project that mistrust onto God, who is the person that we should trust more than anything else, right? We take the flaws of what's happened around us, bad circumstances, bad relationships, bad home life, whatever it is, and we say, you know what, this didn't work out the way I wanted it to, so I'm not going to trust God because he could have fixed that, and you know what, I can't trust him. I know you created the universe, I know, know, I know you know everything about me, I know you sent Jesus to the cross, but you know what, mm, I don't know that I can trust you, right? We do that. So many times we think that, okay, you know what, this didn't happen at the time I wanted to, so I'm going to take it on my own hands and I'm going to make it happen myself. I'm going to do it all myself. Because I don't know that I can trust God to come through if it's going to take longer than what I want it to take. We'd get ahead of God. And so tonight, I really felt like the Lord's heart was to remind us of how he is faithful to be trusted in every situation. Because you see, who God is and us trusting in him, and like him being faithful when we're not, has nothing to do with us. Like who God is and the fact that he is trustworthy doesn't make a difference of who, like what we do. Like, it doesn't matter how many times you mess up, how many mistakes you make, God is still trustworthy and he is still the same. And he still keeps coming after you. His promises still stand true. And sometimes we think that because it didn't happen when we wanted it to, or maybe we made a mistake and we think, okay, I messed up, I don't deserve that. Then we, we don't trust that God is going to be faithful to bring up his end of what he promised us. So I want to take a little bit of time and look at a couple different people and characters in the Bible who really... Um, dealt with trust issues, who dealt, who made mistakes, and God was still faithful to bring out the promises to them. 
Because Lord, I really feel like the heart of tonight is to remind us and wonder at how amazing God is. And to look at him and say, you did all of this. How can I not trust you? You are so amazing, Lord. You brought the Israelites out of the desert, and you did. You brought down the walls of Jericho, and you um, like beat an army with only 300 people, and you saved a nation with one person who came out of a whale, like all these different things, and you can look all throughout the Bible, and it doesn't matter how many mistakes the people in history made, God was still faithful to complete his promises. And if we can look at that and be reminded of that and be reminded of what God has done in our own lives that we tend to forget in the middle of a hard situation, we can remind ourselves that we can trust God with everything. And there's no reason why we should hold back that trust. So, um, I have to tell you, I have seriously been living this message out this week. And I know Pastor Daniel and Pastor Andrew, as I've talked to them about preparing for messages and things, they always say that, like, you, when you're preaching, so many times, like, the messages that you have are, like, affecting in your life. And let me tell you, it's so true. Like, it's true. This week has so been pushing me to trust in God through, I had to move, and we had an auditor come into my work, and it was just all kinds of crazy stuff. And then even today, I got through this message and thought, this is what God's doing, and God's like, no, that was you trying to make it happen. This is what I want to say. And I'm like, oh, okay got it. Let's change everything. So it's, and it's a huge trust thing. So let me just tell you that as I'm talking about sitting and looking at him and trusting in him, it's so been something that um, has just been living out. So the first point, because exactly the Lord changed the points on me in the middle of the sermon and the worship, so praise God. So point number one is trust. Um, God is trustworthy even when we fail. And for that, we're going to look at the character of Abraham. So when Abraham, we're first introduced to Abraham as Abram, which is before the covenant the Lord made with him. In Genesis 12, 1 through 3, it says, The Lord has said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. It's a pretty good promise. I don't know about you guys, but I would even just take the part of the promise that says, whoever blesses you, will be ble- I will bless. Whoever curses you, I will curse. I like that part, right? You know, like someone cuts you off on the freeway, the Lord says, I will curse those who curse you. Like, okay, I would walk through life a little bit better. You know what I mean? But like God gave him such a big promise. So much more than just that. He said, I will make you into a great nation. I will make your name great. All people on earth will be blessed through you. That means all of you guys right now are blessed through Abraham. That's pretty rad. That is a huge blessing. And so when I was reading this, I was like, man, like, who is Abraham that God would give him this this verse? So I look at it. The first mention of Abraham before that is in the lineage. And it's only thing that we know about him before God gives his promise is that he's a son. That's it. So that tells me a couple things. That one, we have to remember that we, our promises come from God simply because we're his son or daughter. Simple as that. Second thing about that is that you don't have to be anything or be anybody to trust in God to give you a great promise and destiny for your life. Because it doesn't have anything to do with you. We don't know anything about him other than he was given that to, by God in the beginning. And we learn a lot about him. There's the rest of a huge chunk of Genesis is about him and his life and what God did from that point on. But before that, we don't really know. 
It also means that what happened to you before you met the Lord, it's okay, but God has something great for you. And you can trust in him to bring you from that and to bring you into something great. His promises are true throughout everything. So he says he's going to make your name great. He says he will bless him uh, and curse those who curse him. So then suddenly, he's put into a situation where he has to test whether or not he trusts, trusts that word. So in Genesis 12, 10, um, it says, Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while, because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, I think that's how you say it, I don't know, uh, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife. They will kill me, but will let you live. Say you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. So I think it's kind of comical, because just a few verses before that, the Lord tells him, I will curse whoever curses you. And then he says, oh, they're going to kill me. So I have to lie to protect myself, because even though God told me this, I'm not sure, I don't know, i got to have to lie because of it. You guys catching what I'm saying here? He's given a promise from God, but he's struggling with a trust issue. And so he says, i got to take this into my own hands, and I need to lie to get, to get through this, this place in Egypt, because there was a famine, and i got to live here for a little while. Can I tell you? So done that. God says, okay, this is what I'm, I'm going to provide for this situation. Oh, no, Lord, I don't think you are. I'm going to have to go babysit extra hours when I should be at church or whatever it is because i got to make enough money to get there. And I said, oh, this message would be great, but i got to babysit because I need money to get to where I'm going to go. Can I tell you the times that that happened? I ended up with less money than I did before, and I couldn't figure out why. And the Lord's like, you need to honor me with what I've told you and trust me to get you there. And then, and then a curse comes on Pharaoh and his family because Pharaoh suddenly married Sarah's, Sarah. He married Abram's wife. And then now they're cursed. And Pharaoh's like, what the heck, dude? You lied to me about who she was, and now I'm cursed because I married your wife. And, and you know what God does? God says, well, okay, and takes him out of the situation. Even though, <laughs> even though Abram did not follow up with a promise and didn't trust in God and what God had promised him, God was still faithful to remove him from the situation. Said, "Okay, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get you out of here." And then the other part of the promise that Abram was struggling to trust in was that I will make you into a great nation. He promises him that his his children will be um, more numerous than the stars in the sky or more numerous than the sands of the earth. That is a huge promise, one that is most likely not going to be fulfilled in his lifetime. Right? In order to have, in order to have as many, uh, you know children as the stars in the sky, you're going to have to be really busy. And I'm just saying there's not enough time in your life for that. Just to be real. So he had to realize the fact that this was a promise. He had to really trust God that it was going to come through at the end, that he's not going to live to see that out. So he had to trust God to be faithful through the generations. I'm going to tell you, sometimes God's going to tell you something right now that's not going to happen until you're 50 or 60. And that, that's a bummer because we want it to happen right now, but there's a reason for it. Sometimes we need to be more seasoned or prepared, but we have to trust in God that, okay, Lord, you promised me this. I know that you told me. There's nations that, that the Lord has promised me that I'm going to go to that I know I'm not going to go to for a long time. And I can't try to squeeze it all into my 20s because there's no way I'm going to appreciate it as more as I wouldn't as when I go later. 
because there's going to be things that happen and things that the Lord develops, and I know that that's a place that I'm going to get to go to because God has said. But just because it doesn't happen this year or last year or next year doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. That's where you have to say, God, I trust you that you're going to be faithful in your promise even if I don't see it happen immediately. So in Genesis 16, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do an Emily Walters paraphrase here. And... Um, they so that Sarah and Abraham are and Abraham are promised to have a baby, right? They're, God promises that they will give him a child, and through this child, um, all of the bless you, <laughs> all the nations of the earth will come from them, right? And so, in Genesis 16, Sarah says to Abraham and says, "You know what? This isn't happening. We're way too old to have a baby. So you need to go and sleep with my handmaiden and have a baby through her, and that's how God's promise is going to happen." So then Abraham does it. He just does it. He's like, okay, whatever my wife says, I'm going to go do. Sometimes we let, when God promises us something, instead of trusting in God, we let the influence of other people affect our trust in him. Because we say, you know what, you're right. It didn't happen on like the way I thought it was going to go. Maybe I should go on this mission trip and not next year's mission trip. Even though God said go next year. Or because that's what everyone's telling me to do. Everyone's saying that this is what God's promise is. It's not always going to make sense to everybody else what God promises you, and that's okay. It doesn't have to. You are the one that is at the end is going to be the one that walks in that promise. You are the one that's going to say, okay, I want it to happen when the Lord says, not when I try to force it to happen. Because here's what's really, really cool. Is that Abraham made a mistake, and he had a baby through Hagar. If you guys have ever heard the don't birth an Ishmael, well, Ishmael was the baby of, of Hagar and Abraham. And Abraham, and and, and it's true. Okay, but here's the really cool thing, is that God said, okay, this is not what I wanted you to do, but because he is your son, I'm going to bless him, and I'm going to make his um, descendants as numerous as well, just because he's your son. And this isn't what I had planned for you, but I'm still going to bless your mistake because I love you, and I'm going to let him walk in a little bit of it too. That is so encouraging and cool because that means when I try to jump ahead of God and we make mistakes and say, oh, I thought this is what God says. God's like, you know what? This isn't what I have for you, but let me, let me bless that. I'm going to go ahead and bless it because I love you and I care for you, but, but let's get you back on track and let's go the way I'm supposed, that I really want you to go. You should trust in me here. Uh, like a, uh, about a year ago, I was given a promotion at work that I'd wanted for a really long time. It's called Protein Coordinator, and it's the person who helps orchestrate all of the, when we open brand new cafes. I work for Panera. And um, I had wanted it for like two years, and I would prayed and asked the Lord about it over and over again. And God said, and then suddenly I got a call one day, hey, do you want to be Protein Coordinator? Heck yes, I want to be Protein Coordinator. So I'm given all this information. I'm elated. I get up the next morning. It's like 4 o'clock in the morning. I'm walking through my work. Get, oh, getting the cafe open ready, like singing to myself. Thank you, Lord. You gave me my promise, blah, blah, blah. And God goes, I want you to give that back to me. I don't want you to be protein coordinator. But Lord, this is what I want. I've been praying for this for two years. What do you mean I don't, I can't be this? I don't want you, I want you to give that back to me. And he nudged at me over and over and over again. And I will now admit, I didn't give it up. Because I thought that's what God's promise was for me. God, this is what I wanted. You said that I could be this. Here I am. Obviously, this has to be. You, don't, you couldn't have anything better because this is the position that I, that I wanted. I don't want any other position. And then suddenly God put this dream inside of me to be a general manager. And I was like, I don't know about that. And the next thing you know, everything changed. And I left my team stranded without a pro team coordinator because I got the general manager position. 
I put my, they, they're fine and they got it worked out, but I put them in a little bit of a bind because they would have promoted someone else instead of me. If I had stuck with God, God's original plan and waited for the Lord to tell me the right one to take. And it was hard. Like I had to give it up. And, and it's something that I look back and I say, Lord, thank you for blessing. Because in the time that I had it, I was so blessed and I learned a lot. But at the same time, I would have been even more blessed if I just trusted in God when he said, give it up because I have something better for you. And I couldn't see past that. I put a roadblock and said, God, this is what I see. What do you mean? There can't be anything better. And little did I know that God had something even greater and more intentional than what was there. So then back to Abraham. We look at Genesis 17. I'm just going to kind of skim skim through some of this because I want us to just kind of catch the importance of it as we go. Um, is it, Genesis 17, 3 through 8, uh, God comes to Abraham and makes a covenant with him and makes his name um, Abraham. I think that's where that is. Um, yeah, makes it, turns his name to Abraham because he's going to be the father of many nations. And he promises to him, and he says, and then down in verse 15, he says, As for Sarah, your wife, you will no longer call her Sarai, but Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. Abraham fell face down, and he laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man of a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of ninety? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might be under your blessing. <laughs> it's funny, Sarah, here he is, Abraham, God's telling Abraham this promise in his, to his face, like he's speaking to the angel of the Lord, and he's laughing at him, being like, What? We're a hundred years old, there's no way we're going to have a baby. And, like, literally to God's face. He's like, oh, you need to use this mistake that I made over here. Use it. And then God said, yes. If only Ishmael might be your blessing. Then God said, yes. But your wife, Sarah, will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. I just love it because God, again, is saying, you know what? That's not what I had planned for you. But here I am promising you something. I will bless that, but here I am promising you something great that seems impossible. Talk about trusting and taking a step and having to trust. Abraham has made several mistakes by then, and these are just a couple of, like, skimming through. And, like, we have to realize that God is still faithful and trustworthy even when we fail. Even when we fail and we say, I'm going to make this mistake over and over and over again, God is still faithful in his promises, and we can trust him more than we can trust anything else. Guys, I'm wanting to share this tonight because I just want to remind you, like, my heart for tonight is that you guys would realize how trustworthy and how much you can rely on God and be in awe at that. Because as far as I'm aware, none of, like, we're not making these kind of mistakes. Like, yes, we make mistakes and they're hard, but this is him deliberately going against a really big promise that affects the entire world. And God is saying, doesn't matter that you made those mistakes. I am faithful to complete and you need to trust me because I'm still going to do it. How amazing is that? If God is still faithful to give the promises of Abraham to Abraham after he makes his mistakes, how much, fa how still is God faithful to give promises to you? Seriously, just because it hasn't happened at our age doesn't mean it's not going to happen. And this is before Jesus. This is all before we had the grace of Jesus to walk in, in the cross to go through. 
And if he did it then, how much more can he do it now? So here's another part that I love, because this is what we do. We, we do, we have issues, times where we don't trust God, and we take things in our own hands, and there's moments where we trust God. And that's what Abraham did. God went to Abraham after Isaac was born, after he promised him, and said, I want you to take him on a hill, and I want you to sacrifice him. And Abraham's like, whoa, wait a minute. You said that all of my descendants would come through Isaac, and this promise would come through him, and now you want me to go up and kill him and sacrifice him to you? Are you serious? But Abraham had watched over and over again God be faithful and trustworthy no matter what Abraham did. So what did Abraham do? He finally trusted God. He went up onto that hill, and he went to sacrifice Isaac, and the Lord said, Stop. I have provided a lamb for you. And he says, um, in ver- in, if we look at Genesis 22, um, oh, shoot, I don't know that I wrote it down. It, yes, it is Genesis 22, I'm sorry. It says, uh, 12, it says, do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now that I know you fear God, because you have not withheld him from me, your son, your only son. And he looked up in the thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns, and he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide, and to this day it said, On the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have already done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. I just love that. Because God reminded him and said, surely this will happen. And he goes back to that first promise. He says, you will have more descendants than you even know. Those who curse you will be cursed and who bless you will be blessed. Simply because he trusts in him. And what this made me realize is that in all of what we do, it's not that God wants to see us like do all of this stuff. God wants us just to trust him. All God wanted was for Abraham to trust him with the promise that he gave him. That's it. God wants us to have a relationship with him, right? That's the whole point. Is we want, He wants us to have a relationship with him, to choose him. To have a relationship with somebody, you have to trust them. We have to look at God and say, you know what, God? This doesn't make any sense, but I'm going to choose to trust you in the middle of it. Even when we make mistakes, God is faithful and trustworthy, even when we don't do things as we think we should. So moving on to number two. So he's trustworthy when we doubt ourselves. And that, we're going to look at Gideon. And I love Gideon, because I so relate with Gideon. My favorite part that Gideon says is, is in Judges uh, 6, 36 to 40. So that's where we're going to go next. But before we go there, uh, Gideon was um, had this amazing encounter with an angel of the Lord. And he's like sitting under a tree, he's working, and the angel of the Lord appears to him and sits next to him and like, and says all these amazing things as you mighty man of valor, like you are going to lead them in victory and all this awesome stuff. And he's like, oh, are you sure? And uh, then he goes and he makes a meal for him. And he's like, well, can you wait right here? I'm going to go cook you some dinner. And he's like, yeah, sure. So then Gideon goes over and cooks him all this dinner. And then he brings it back and then he sets it on the rock. And then the angel of the Lord touches it with a staff and it like burns up. And the whole thing burns up, and it's this amazing thing. And he's in, he seeks, surely you must be the angel of the Lord. Because he wasn't really sure if it was Gideon. God's like, are you, is this, Gideon's like, is this, is this you? If it is, then do something with this food. And he, and he burned it all up. So it's so cool. So then, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's cool, a burning bush, you know? Anyways, so 
Then, in Judges 36, Gideon, God's saying that he's going to go and lead an army and, and defeat what seems impossible. And Gideon's like, you know what? I don't know if this is true. So then Gideon says to God, if you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised, look, I will place a wool feast on the threshing hole. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand as you said. And then, and that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. That full. That's so cool. And then Gideon said to God, okay, don't be angry with me, but let me take one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece, but this time make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. That night God did so. Only the fleece was dry and all the ground was covered with dew. How many, I'm going to tell you, this is, I relate with Gideon because I do this all the time. Lord, if this is you, then you got to do this. And then he does it. Well, okay, no, but God, if this is you, then you got to do this. And then he does it. And then you're like, well, Lord, if this is really you, then you're going to make this happen. Like, don't we do this? We all can relate with Gideon, okay? And I think it's so funny because here he has this amazing encounter with an angel of the Lord. This crazy thing happens. His food burns. And then, and then he's like, okay, but you know what? Hold on a second. Let me make sure you really promise this. And he does the whole fleece thing the first time. And then he says, okay, well, if this is really, really, really you, let's do this one more time. And even then, he goes in, and he's getting in, um, he's getting ready to lead Israel in victory. And the Lord tells him that there's too many people in the army, and he wants him, he needs, because otherwise Israel's going to say they did it by their own hand. So then he's going to whittle the army down to only 300 people. Talk about, like, needing to trust in the Lord in that. You mean you're going to tell me that we're going to beat this huge army with only 300 people? So then Gideon is like, and so then the Lord tells him, if you really need encouragement, you need to go down and uh, listen to his story. And I don't remember the name of um, the friend who was in the story, and I didn't write it down. And this friend, like, tells the exact, has a dream of what happened to Gideon with the angel of the Lord by the tree, with the burning up of the food and all this stuff. And they're like, oh, he's surely going to lead us into battle, and we will win. And guess what? They win. Like, it's so cool. And I think, okay, we go through stuff in life and we doubt God, but I don't think any of us are facing an army of only 300 people trying to defeat an entire nation, right? Like, we don't have to go up against anything that hard. We go up against stuff that's hard, but it's not that hard. It is not that hard. You're not finding an army of, of thousands with only 300 people, okay? I mean, maybe for the military, but anyways. So, like, it's okay. Like, it is okay to doubt. It's okay to ask questions. God didn't get mad at him. God simply showed himself faithful and true every time Gideon asked. Every time Gideon asked, God said, yes, I will show you that this is me, and he did it. Every time. And I'm sure you guys have experienced as you do that with the Lord, God shows you when it's him and when it's not. Over and over and over again, even if it doesn't make sense to you, God says, you can trust me, and I'm going to show you that you can trust me even if you doubt. I will still show myself faithful. I will still show myself true. And then lastly, we're going to look at—this is another one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Uh, so point number three is trustworthy when it seems impossible. And for that, we can only think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That has to be one of my favorite Bible stories as a kid, I think, just because I think their names are really cool. Like, if I have three sons back-to-back, maybe I'll name them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Don't make fun of me, okay? It sounds cool to say. Don't say it, um, don't say it five times fast, because you probably won't be able to. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, try it out. See, I shot around your shaker, but the go, shot around your shaker, but the go. Uh, <laughs> anyways, so these guys, if you guys don't know, uh, in the time, this is this takes place in the book of Daniel in a time where uh, they're not wanting anyone to worship God, but to worship the king. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, um, which is another fun thing when you're an adult and you, like, your mind gets open to stuff. I didn't realize that Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel were all friends. So that's like, that is a cool, like, little group of people. I want to hang out with them and, like, hear their stories. Like, if you ever hang out with, like, Taylor, Dom, George, and Jeremy, like, they have cool stories, but I'm sure these, these four over here have some pretty cool stories. So, you know, it's like the same thing. Anyways, so uh, if we look at Daniel, everyone wants to turn to Daniel 3. So they've been told to worship Nebuchadnezzar instead of God and not to worship any other gods at all. And Nebuchadnezzar says to them in verse uh, 14, it says, it is, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship that gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made with the, when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Talk about needing to trust in the power of God and not in the power of man. I'm going to throw you into a burning furnace where you probably should be killed instantly. And like... And, you know, and that's because you're all choosing to worship your God and not what I have told you to do. Thank you. <laughs> so, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. Talk about having some courage. You're telling the king of the land, I'm not going to listen to you. Dang, that is like courage of the Lord, Holy Spirit all up inside of you because there's like, you can't, like... You can't, I mean, like, I can't imagine, like, going to a foreign country or even here and being like, no, no, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do that. I refuse. It's like, I refuse to pay my taxes, sorry, no, to the, to the president, like, no, not going to happen. Just saying. I mean, maybe somebody, but no. Let's be real here. Okay, so, <laughs> he says, if, you, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, um, we don't need to defend ourselves before you, verse 17. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Boom. That in itself, if that was all the story, that is awesome. Because they had enough courage and trust in the Lord that even though they were in an impossible situation where the choice was live and worship a false god or die, they chose death. They chose to be like, I trust God, and that God can save us. And even if he chose not to save us, I'm going to tell you right now that you're wrong, and I'm not going to worship any other God. So, so cool. Talk about trusting in the Lord. How encouraged, this is encouraging to me, because this shows me that it's possible to have trust in God in the midst of absolute impossible circumstances. Right? Because we can be faced with something dire, but majority of us are not going to be faced with either, faced with either, um, uh, you can worship me or you can get placed, thrown into a blazing furnace and die. Like, that's not necessarily going to happen to us. So that's encouraging. That is so encouraging to not, to be able to know that if we face what seems like impossible odds, we can stand in the face of it and look it in the eyes and say, nope, I will not believe what you say. I'm going to trust in God. I am not going to doubt. This is encouraging to me. This, this, these, the other stories that we shared shows that even though we fail, 
that we can still trust in God to be faithful in his promises. Gideon shows us that it's okay to doubt and question God because God's going to be faithful to remind you that he's real. But this shows us that we can absolutely have enough faith to trust in God in the midst of a circumstance and like look it in the eyes and say, I refuse to believe what you have to say. This shows us that it's practical, right? Because again, when we look at these Old Testament like, they have the Lord, but they didn't have Jesus. So I can look at it and know that, like, I have Jesus with me. It's something that, like, we have a little bit more grace or however you want to put it because we're on a different covenant. We're not under law. These guys had to go off, eat, like, Old Testament law and what they said and know that God was still faithful to them. And they believed every single word. It's so encouraging. In verse 19, Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. I love that. I like that the Bible just added that in. Like, they could have just said he was mad, but it says, no, he was distorted with rage. Gives you a picture. He uh, commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men in the army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So these guys, so you have to remember, they're already surviving the fire of the furnace before they even get there. The soldiers around them having to throw them in are dying because it's so hot, but they're getting thrown in still. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his adversaries, Didn't we tie up three men and throw them in the fire? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Whoa! So cool! So cool! Ugh! Then Nebuchadnezzar came, and as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace, and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their head was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell like smoke. Whoa, like victory lap. That is so cool. Like they got thrown into this fire that killed people on the way in and not even their eyebrows burned. Like, come on. We all have someone in the family who have burned their eyebrows off with a barbecue. It's happened, but that didn't even happen to these guys. Their beers didn't get singed, right? They probably had like, you know, Jacob beers. Where is Jacob at? Anyways, or I don't know. Brian, his beard. So, you know, something like that. And it didn't even get singed. How cool is that? Not even their clothes, not even their flip-flops, nothing. Their turbans, not even burned an ounce of it. If you think you're faced with impossible odds and you're not sure if God can pull through, boom, right here. If if they can get thrown into a fiery furnace and come out 100% okay, not even eyebrows burned, God's going to do it for you. Let me just tell you right now that you can trust in God to pull you out and to get you where you need to go and your eyebrows are not going to be singed off. (laughs) I'm just being practical. It's true. This is so encouraging to me because I look out and go, whoa, God, that is amazing. Because if I can stand in a hard situation where I feel like everything is failing around me and it's not even anything like being thrown into a fire, 
How can I not trust God to come through for me? How can I not trust God to be faithful to his word? How can I not trust God to do what he says he's going to do? If he can do that, oh gosh, what can he do for my situation or your situation? It's so awesome. He is always faithful. I look, reminds me, I'm just going to share this quick story and then we're going to move in forward. But uh, on our first trip to Africa, my first ever trip to Africa, we took a layover. Uh, Taylor was there and uh, Annie, Pastor Matt's wife, was there. We had a layover uh, in Europe and we decided to get off the train and it was a long layover. And so we got off the train and we're like, okay, we're just going to go explore like for a couple of hours and then we're going to come back. And so we explored. It was a very confusing train system in a foreign country in a language we didn't speak. And we were just confused. And it was, it was, just, it was just, you know, it was what it was. Anyway, so we um, all fell asleep on our train ride back to the airport. And it was in Europe in the summertime, so it stays light until like 10 o'clock at night. And we had to be back at the airport before 9 o'clock. And we looked at our clocks, and we woke up on the other side of town where we weren't supposed to be and it's like at least a 30 minute ride back and it was almost nine o'clock <laughs> and it was it was terrifying like it was my first time on a mission trip where i'm like shoot and the reason we had to be back was because um we were hold held all of our like carry-on bags in this in like the check your bags place so you can go walk around the airport without your stuff and it closed at nine o'clock so you had to have it before then and um and and going to Africa, you put everything on your carry-on because sometimes your luggage doesn't actually make it there. And so um, everything that we all had for two weeks, including, like, your malaria medication, all of your clothes, everything was in those bags. And you couldn't get it until the next morning at 8 a.m. and our flight left at 10. So it was like, okay, well, mistake, but how are we going to get back? So we just stood on the, the – we got off the train because we woke up and we're like, oh, shoot – we all stood there, and we prayed, and we just were like, okay, like, trying to figure this out logically. We're praying, and the dynamics of the group come out as we're all figuring this out because it's all tense because we're worried about getting our stuff. And you know what? Like, we, we get on the right. We finally figure out how to get on the right train because we weren't even sure which the right train was. We get back to the airport, and uh, Rob and Taylor take off running through the airport like crazy men and start banging on the door, and we get there. And the guy who had, been, who had checked our bags in was still there. He noticed that we hadn't come back yet, so he was waiting for us gave us cups of water like all this stuff and I just remember sitting in the train like so doubting that we were going to get any of our stuff and then it happened and I was like oh that's right how can I ever doubt God and the rest of the trip it was such a tool for me to be like okay if the Lord can save us and get us all of our stuff when we like we're like having fun and trying to take advantage of a layover like how much more is us when we're serving and doing stuff in the middle of a mission field like God gonna gonna do it you know what I mean? And that's just, the Lord reminded me of that story, so I just had to share it. Because it's funny, because it's true. Like, I even, like, now think of it and just, like, cringe. Because it was so, it was quite a few. It was terrifying for a little bit. And if you've ever been on a mission trip with me, they're like, oh, we have a cool layover. I'm like, no, we don't. We're staying in the airport, guys. I'm sorry. I trust the Lord, but I'm not making that mistake twice. Like, we're going to hang out. You can take a nap. But we're not going to get on a train. We don't know where it's going. So, um... If the band can go ahead and uh, and come up, we're just going to um, get, get serious again here. No, uh, but I just want to read a bunch of different verses that the Lord is showing me that reminds us to trust in him. 
because like I said at the end of this, my heart for this is for us to look at these things that have happened and know that it doesn't matter. Even if you fail, God's faithful to complete his word for you and you can trust in him. Even when we doubt, God is so trustworthy to bring us through and to remind us of who he is. And in the face of impossible odds, God is trustworthy to do exactly what he says and we can rely on him. And we can have the trust that he's going to give us the right words to say and do in the midst of that. Right? Because there's no way that they were able to say those things to the king without trusting the Lord to say the right thing. So what I want us to do is I want us to just kind of position our hearts to God and just say like, Wow, God, I can really trust you. And I, I want you to just take a look at, at your life and your relationship with the Lord and ask him how much you really trust him. And ask whether, it's, whether he shows you a picture on like a, on a bar, graph kind of thing where it says, okay, this is zero or whatever. Like, how far do you trust me? Whatever it is. Or they're just going to start playing some sweet sounds. And I just want you to close your eyes and take a second and say, God, how much, how much do I really trust you? Do I have faith like Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego? Do I trust you like they do? Or do I need to maybe take a step out in trusting you a little bit more? Just think about it for a moment. Psalm thirty three twenty one says. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. Psalm 56, 11. In God I trust and am not afraid. What can man do to me? Psalm 118, 8 and 9. It says, It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Nahum 1, 7. The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those that trust in him. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 25, 5. And to, to you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. We can fully rely on God, guys. We can so trust in him and put everything that we have on him. And here's why. Because he has the absolute best in mind for you. He has your absolute best at heart. You can trust him because he has nothing but good things for you. Nothing but the best. Daniel, my good friend Daniel Odasha wrote a song and I asked her if I could borrow this line from it just to share. It says, you have the best in mind for us in every area that we walk in. You already know the outcome before we step, so we trust you, God. We trust you. We can trust in God because he is faithful in the midst of every circumstance. We can trust in God because we know that he still cares for us even when we doubt him. We can trust God because he's proved himself over and over and over again to be so good and to care for us and take us from one situation to the next and never stop loving us. So just because Mr. or Mrs. Wright hasn't come along doesn't mean that God doesn't have that person coming for you. Just because you're not 
at the right place you want to be with work or school doesn't mean that God doesn't have the absolute best in mind for you. It doesn't mean that God, you can't trust in God to bring it. The Bible says that many are plans, uh, many are the plans of a man's heart, but the Lord determines his steps. We have so many things that we want to happen, and we suddenly don't trust God simply because it didn't happen how we wanted it to. But God has the best for you. You can trust him to be faithful, to bring about everything that he's promised, because he never changes. He doesn't change, guys. It doesn't matter what we do. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's always going to be there for you, even if you don't know it. And we just have to trust fall into his arm.